WDET. Bringing you culture and information that empowers our community. Every day. On 1019 WDET. Detroit's public radio station. You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. This season of NPR's show Invisibilia is labeled their concept album, where every episode explores a different concept that's part of the unseen forces that make us human. The first episode is about emotion, and the second is about reality. If these seem like big, confounding subjects, it's because they are. But the hosts of Invisibilia... Ali Spiegel and Hannah Rosen seek to bring these elements of humanity into narrow focus with impeccable storytelling and reporting. Elise tells Detroit Today producer Laura Weber Davis that she's always been interested in the forces that guide our actions. I was a the I was a human behavior reporter, so I was looking at things. I spent almost ten years looking at things like emotions and ideas, and I. I wanted to to put all of the kind of work that I had done in a in a place where which allowed me to kind of draw a portrait of the world that all of this kind of research was helping me to see. Um, and the goal was essentially it's it's a show which tries to make the invisible visible. It's it's like that whole thing that that little um, joke that used to that used to go around about the fish. It's like the water's fine today. What's the water? What we're trying to, you know, one fish says to another, isn't the water fine today? And the other fish says, what what's water? Right. Um, and that's what we're essentially trying to do. We're trying to look at the invisible things that hold us in place and and that direct our our behaviors. I'm going to quote Elise here because she has such a beautiful quote that I've heard her say Mm -hmm. now and again, which is that you can't change your life if you can't see what's holding you in place. Mm. And I would say that's a lot of what we do in the episodes is show people what's holding them in place, like shine a light on either the cultural forces, the psychological forces, neurological forces, whatever it is that is creating you, your sense of self and your sense of your own culture. And sort of once you see it, then you can decide what to do about it. You can decide to embrace it or step out of it or change it or whatever you want to do. But if you don't see it, then you just feel stuck. Well, before you started this actual program together, um, was there... Is there a specific moment in your reporting or in your experience as producers and journalists that sort of left those nagging questions in your mind? Like, if only this person that I just interviewed could see that this thing is what's driving them and motivating them. Well, actually, I would say, like, I, I had this um, I had this experience where I did a story about <clears throat> the way about um, the way that people in Eastern cultures think about intellectual struggle and then compared it to the way that people in Western cultures think about intellectual struggle. So, for example, I grew up having some learning disabilities. Um, so I struggled in school a lot. And what I learned was in in the West, and particularly in America, we have this idea that excellence comes from talent. So you have a talent for math or you don't. Um, and in uh, I was looking at all these studies in Japan. In Japan, the idea was um, excellence comes from 
hard work and struggle, your ability, essentially emotional resilience, your ability to kind of suffer through the really difficult process of learning something. So for example, if you give an impossible math problem to a third grader in America and you give it, this is an actual study that happened, to an impossible uh, problem to a third grader in Japan, American school children will work on the problem for about five to 10 minutes and then give up because they just assume like, you know, if I had the talent to do this, I would do it. Whereas you literally just have to take it away from the Japanese third graders at the end of the hour. Um, That was an actual study. And Mm. it just struck me when I did that story. It's like, oh, if I had we we can't see that oh this that we have this idea that like excellence comes from talent and there's another way of conceptualizing that but um but if i had grown up in japan the the kind of struggle that i had learning some very basic things like how to read would have been seen as a kind of emotional strength whereas here it was seen as a weakness here in america it was seen as a weakness and so i that doing that story really crystallized for me oh, there are these kind of invisible things, kind of cultural ideas, um, concepts that hold us in place and and allow us to interpret ourselves. Um, They're not inevitable, um, but they are incredibly powerful. And um, that's just one teeny tiny thing. It's like looking at how you interpret the experience of intellectual struggle. But if you just did that with everything in your life, then you would be able to see, I mean, like if you did that in the culture, if you looked at all of these concepts and put them under a microscope, then you could see where the choices were and where they weren't. In this first episode of this season on on emotion and the the child who lost her life in a car accident, I understood where both of them were coming from because mm-hmm. of the reporting around how we view emotion and how the mo- emotion guides our lives as Americans. And I'm, uh, I'm just curious uh, if there are lots of cultural separations now that we're talking about culture and, and mm-hmm. the Japanese. Are there lots of cultural separations that guide the reporting that you do for Invisibilia? We don't we don't always go cross cultural, but I think sometimes that's like an easy tool. <laughs> you know, if you want to if you want to if you want to know that your culture sees something in a specific way or that you're culturally bound, one of the easiest ways to shift your perspective is to think like, huh, how, did, how, did how they, does that work in another? Yeah, culture? How does that work in another country is like is like that's like a real shorthand to quickly give yourself a, a little, view of how you are seeing the world. Yeah, to see yourself from outside. The, the when I when I was a reporter, like I. My my kind of shorthand way of thinking about this is like you either go back in time, you either or go cross cultural, or you just find somebody who's really smart. Those are like, <laughs> those, are like your, those are like your three, which and they all can happen, but like those are your three options. I'm speaking with Elise Spiegel and Hannah Rosen. They're the co-hosts of Invisibilia, which airs on Tuesdays at two p.m. on WDET. Um, this idea of a concept album and all of these episodes are going to be linked through exploring concepts. Um, any idea, any preview of what the other concepts are that we're going to be looking at this season? So it's actually about the idea of concepts. 
it sounds so crazy when you try and explain it. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, the, the the fundamental idea is, you know, we're in a polit- we're in a moment, and let's say a cultural and political moment where reality is in question. Like not not just where people are disagreeing, but where people are looking at something and seeing something completely different, so that the very nature of what's real is a little bit in question. So we thought, oh, there must be filters in our own head. It must not be the object outside. It must be the thing going on in our heads. So the concepts are in our heads, and then we look at them in different contexts. So so how do they shape our emotions is one question we ask. How do they shape our very vision and perception is like, why do we see a black bear differently if you're two different people? Right. Race is the question we're about to ask. Mm-hmm. So we, we've, we've heard about implicit bias, you know, this idea that we have ideas in our head and concepts in our head that we're not even that fully aware of and that we may not want. So, so that's another place where concepts are influencing us. Um, and then we look at concepts of the self. You have an idea, a concept of yourself that's very hard to let go of. Uh, we have a fixed idea about ourselves and who we are. And if you shake that, we get nervous. So so it's like we're taking the idea of concepts, the fact that there's this filter in your brain called concepts, and seeing how it drives your behavior in lots of different places. I'm sorry if that sounds abstract. I promise. <laughs> and Elise is nodding. It is not so abstract when you listen to the show, because mostly these shows are beautiful narratives, and the ideas are in service of the narrative. So, well, yeah, I would say um, that they definitely the episodes bring into pretty sharp focus what it, the concept that is being tackled or the concept of the concept. Uh, mm-hmm. But something that occurs to me that among the things that we're going to be hearing and the episodes we've already heard, um, I can't help but feel like they all sort of touch on how we feel about politics in our country. And maybe yeah. that's just because it's the uh, implicit bias I have about our, our country right now. Um, yeah. is that, no, that's explicit. No, no, yeah, that, that's explicit. No, we don't. We don't. We don't take it on. I mean, the way that we typically do things is we go at it sideways. But yes, that was the thing that we were trying to understand. We go at it in a little bit of a different way, so that there's less kind of emotional rigidity, and you can think about things. Um, and that it's less familiar. Like we're trying, less, yeah, yeah. So yes, it, th- these are these are talking about the kinds of things that we're seeing in our culture. We're just doing it in a in 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 a a different um, in, in in a different way way. Yeah. Is there a hope among your team that um, a larger mission can be achieved through the show? Maybe not just an, in, on an individual basis with the listener, but rather uh, promoting understanding about each other rather than just of oneself? I think that our shows do tend to be hopeful. We do try and push, you know, stories are often about conflict and tension. That's what makes a story good. And I think we do try and push through that and get to a place not necessarily of tidy resolution, but at least kind of stepping outside the conflict, seeing the conflict from a different way. So we're not handing you an answer to the problem, but we are maybe hoping that 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 there that you'll consider different options. Like for example, there's a story about this guy Max who um, leaves his beautiful bubble of San Francisco and 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 submits his life to a random algorithm where he just eats and goes and lives exactly where the algorithm takes him. Hmm. Um, And that's just, you know, are you all going to do that? Probably not. (laughs) Is that an answer to our political problem where we're all kind of trapped in our little bubbles? Probably not. But it does get you to consider 
that that is what you are and where you live and that there it just gives you a total it's like living in max country for 15 minutes gets you to see your own country in a much clearer way because here you have a guy who goes from bubble to bubble to bubble and his experience of himself of america and of the world is quite different than yours if you choose to stay inside your bubble. So at least you can consider that option. Well, your stories are so rich and interesting as far as the characters that are within them. I'm just curious how you find your subjects or your stories. Are they mostly based on reporting that's done on the local level? Or how are you able to access some of your sources and stories? Or is that a secret? Um, beg, plead. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no. yeah. No, it, it comes. It's all different ways. Um Mac, that story about Max came because our, one of our producers, Abby Wendell, went to Third Coast, actually, and ran into this guy who knew Max. Um, and so she was like, oh, that would be an interesting story. Um, sometimes we will find an interesting, like the, the very first show, which was about emotions, we found really interesting idea in 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 psychology the kind of new way of thinking about emotions and wanted to feature that and then worked backwards to figure out what kind of we need like that we figured out that a legal case might be a good way of Hmm. looking at um and then hannah went out and found the legal case that that we feature in the story um and so it's all different kinds of ways sometimes you're just reading something like the last piece in the last episode in the season is this story that Hannah does about a principal who decides to hypnotize the kids in his school. And that was literally like a an inch of of um, newspaper newspaper that uh, that Elise saw on the way that the, yeah and just like day. pulled out. Uh-huh. So it's it's all different. Where sometimes you know you'll sometimes you'll read something where you'll read a sentence and you're like, oh, there is an entire world in this sentence if I just choose to enter it. That's right. how a lot of my stories anyway find. Um, I mean, happen. So that's that's really it's really just all different kinds of ways. Well, keep up the work, both of you, Elise and Hannah. I really appreciate your time today. I can't thank you enough. Uh, thank Thank you. you. Okay, that was Detroit Today producer Laura Weber Davis speaking with Invisibilia host Elise Spiegel and Hannah Rosen. Invisibilia airs Tuesdays at 2 p.m. right here on WDET. All right, up next, we're going to hear from comedian and CNN show host W. Kamau Bell. Stay with us on Detroit Today. (laughs) 